Let's face it, getting older sucks. Getting older in the age of social media is even worse. Do you hate it when people tell you to age gracefully? Do you want to know how to live your best life at any age? Well, so do we. First rule, don't call me ma'am. Now, here's Jody Miller. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Don't Call Me Ma'am. This is Jody Miller, and don't fucking call me ma'am. Today, I am super excited for this guest because she's not only uh, one of my closest friends, I've also known her an extremely long time, um, I think at least 10 to 15 years, really long time. She's also the my co-producer of the longest-running female-produced show in Los Angeles, The C Word. Her and I have also done a military tour together. She is an author. She is a writer. She is an actress on tons of commercials. She is a stand-up. She's got huge boobs, so that already puts her in a different category. Um, I feel like that should always be on everyone's resume. She's hot. She's gorgeous. She's compassionate. She's funny. She's amazing. She is Suna Bilstead. Yay! People are clapping all over the world right now. Hi, ma'am. How oh, my <laughs> God. And it's over. Thanks, guys, for listening. How many people have done that? Because No one. You're the first. <laughs> Yay. I'm an original. You really are an original. Um, my boobs are big. Yeah. Really big. Does it hurt your back? Yeah. No, it hurts my shoulders. They I, dig in. I have big boobs, too. Not as big as yours, too. But I think the worst thing about it is when someone's like, oh, it's so tough having big boobs. I'm like, it kind of is when you have to push them out of the way to see the side of your leg. That's annoying when you try to when you try to get. I hate those girls that are like, and I just bought this bathing suit at Walmart. How? How the fuck did you just throw a top on? And you're like, it's not fair. It's not fair. Listen, I know that you're not allowed to complain about having big boobs, and that's fine. But I did have to make my own prom dress. Oh, oh, you to make your own prom dress. I wanted to look good, and nothing fit me. Nothing you know, fit, yes, like nothing. Tiny waist to giant tits. Now everybody cry for us. Here's the thing, though. I understand. See, here's the problem. Here is that, and girls with big boobs understand what we're talking about. You cannot find, and I don't care what anyone says, a strapless bra that actually holds them up. Oh, no, Everyone's like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? I have tried everything. Like, unless I have someone physically holding my tits up from behind, they're not going to stay yeah. up as perky as some girl that's just like, I, oh, I just I picked up this. I did see one strapless. Oh, do you strapless. have a new one? Yeah, I saw one recently that was like $10,000. It's fake boobs. Well, then for that, I would rather pay somebody. <laughs> yeah, no, <that's, laughs> yes, okay, yes. Do you want your dresses to stay up? Here it is. The best uh, the best strapless bra ever. Just fake tits. Just fake tits. It's hilarious. Um, has people, I'm sure people, I'm, I, this is a horrible thing to say. Have people called you ma'am? What they called you ma'am? Uh, yeah, but I feel like people have called me ma'am since I was a child person. Here's the thing, though. You and I are both from the East Coast, but you are straight out of New York. So yeah. you grew up way faster, I think, than a lot of people. In New York, it's different. You grow up faster. Definitely. You become more mature. I also grew up a little faster because I, I definitely looked older when I was younger. And I was able to get, like, you know, buy liquor if I wore, like, my friend's yeah. sister's clothes. I think that was all about attitude, too, by the way. D- I I agree 100%. Although I have to say, like, I look at p- photos of myself oh, when yeah. I was in my, like, early 20s, late teens. I'm like, what was I, 35? I, I, my first oh, really? round of headshots, I look oh, yeah. 35 years old. Well, because they're posing us like we're, like, in a Sears catalog. They're like, this pose right here is for when you want a new carpet, but you don't want to spend a fortune because the kids are going to ruin it. You're like, I'm 18. Yeah, I, exactly. I, You're like, I, don't, I just want to do drugs <laughs> and get wasted and pass out somewhere in the village. I don't want to do a Burlington Coat Factory commercial. 
commercial. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, but you know what? Guess who would want to do a Burlington Coat Factory commercial right now? Me. Me right here. Anybody? <laughs> Burlington Coat Factory, if you would like to be the sponsor of this Don't Call Me Man podcast, I will gladly wear a parka hey, and man. a diaper and an adult diaper at the exact same time. They're more than just coats. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they really are. Yeah. There you go. Guys, free advertising for you. Uh, oh, my God. Speaking of adult diapers, like, I feel like the bladder's the first to go. Like, just so you know. Do you, I remember being out in my 20s and being, like, like just annoyed at my mom because she always had to stop to pee. Yeah. I could go to a bar and drink all night and pee, like, once. I know they say break the seal, but I still, like, peed, no, like, once. You just time. go to the bathroom to do coke and put makeup on. Like, there was no other reason. Now yeah. it is, like, everywhere I go, I'm like, where's the bathroom? I should go to the bathroom now. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm like... You, every time. Because your bladder... At a certain age, is like, I've been working since the womb. Like, I'm done. Because babies, like, pee in, in the womb. Like, they're done. The bladder's the first to be like, I give up. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, they, they do. The- oh, right, whatever, some phase so of early, development. Yeah, Once you know, they get their pee-pee or poo-poo. Yes. Wait, their... Their pee-pee or poo-poo? I don't know. What's the other thing called? The vagina? Oh! You have a vagina. I do? Girls have a vagina. Oh, boy, I just found out today. Welcome to my podcast where I enlighten you about things you didn't know about your body. <laughs> Suna, you have a vagina. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, my vagina likes to pee-pee a lot, too, as well. Uh, and that's why, I, like, I, you know, I struggle with the water hydration situation. Because, oh, you, you yes. know, when, I know, every time I try to drink I water, I'm like, okay, I have to install yes. a car toilet. Yes, I, have to I install, do, too. Yes. I actually really want to make, I want to, like, create, you know. Is your invention? I have many. This is one yeah, of them. Too. Yeah, we, who doesn't? I know. Only uninteresting people don't have ten get-rich-slow scheme inventions. I, seriously, I've had. Uh, many. Yeah, I want to actually install like a like a seat, like a toilet in the, seat in, in the your in your driver's car. seat, so you can just piss. You yes, just pee, and just then you empty it go. out like a fucking baby, you know, like a potty. Do you remember those commercials a long time ago? Like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go right now. It's for like you know, <laughs> yeah. the over. Ever, you know what I mean? I actually filmed a sketch with Stacey Scally, one of our friends, uh, who's hilarious, and Darren, where it was just like, just go. And it was just about peeing your pants. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? Like, you're in the middle of a meeting and you're like, gotta go, gotta go, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, I just went. Like, <laughs> it's so, that's why, and I do have a joke about that where I'm like, like, yes, liberating. Like, you sell, as you get older, you celebrate the little things. Like, have you ever sat on the toilet so long you actually had to go again? For a woman, it's, it, I think it's more for a woman, but like, I'll sit down and I'll check Facebook and you get caught like caught up in it and 20 minutes goes by and like I have to pee again and just the fact that I don't have to pull anything down that I'm already ready to go is like liberating like if we just pee everywhere I mean eventually when we have adult diapers it's gonna happen but I don't think I'm there yet but when like I think the bladder like sometimes you just go to the bathroom and then you stand up and it's like nope not done and you have to immediately like find that toilet or something isn't there I think there's like a chemical or some sort of (laughs) element in your body that makes you not pee after you grow out of the diaper phase, I think there's something oh, that happens there? to your body. So we must have lost that it. That intuitively is like, hey, I know you're have to be, but right. you're wearing clothes and you're in a party right now. Right. Don't. Right. And then walk to the bathroom right. and, then, and, then, and then pee. There's something that happens in the body. I think it's also well, I think it's also the the mind. Like for babies, they don't know like to hold. They just yeah. go. So like that's what they do. Everything just like wouldn't it be great just to be a baby? Just like to cry whenever you want, scream whenever you want, shit whenever you want. Just be like I just whatever. <laughs> I mean, it would be okay to be a baby, but it's better to not. Sometimes be a baby. I'm a baby. Then I can yeah. 
not I, have to piss and shit in my bed. That's oh, that must be. It's the same chemical that makes you not pee in the middle of the oh, night. Oh, in the middle of the night. But I'm saying chemical, but I don't think that's the right. Whatever word. it is, though, it wakes us up to be like you have to piss. Bitch. Oh yeah, or it'll make you dream. You ever have those like pee oh, dreams? Oh yes. Oh, oh but have you ever hooked up with someone who has actually peed in the bed? One of my exes back in Jersey, oh, the very first night we ever hooked up, just pissed in the bed. <laughs> just pissed right in the bed in the middle of the night. I think guys when they're drunk just pee in the bed. And then another one recently, an adult in his forties walked to my closet and peed in there because he was so drunk. And the worst part about it is that it, it, my cat was there, and my cat was like, oh, we can fucking do this now? <laughs> like, that was the worst part about it. He was so, I was like, you can't just pee in my closet. The best thing about it, though, is that he was peeing in his own shoes. Like, he didn't realize that his shoes were right there. I was like... Oh. Well, that's just called karma. But I mean, yeah, I think that's more of like a person that's an alcoholic type. Yes, person. and yeah, and, and we're calling well him put. a guy, but really, <laughs> that's, that's not could have been guy. a girl though too. Could have been, been a girl. That's just an alcoholic. Yes, you know what I'm you're saying? right. I should have just said that. I don't yeah. know. I was trying to be nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about this because this is still to to this day one of my favorite stories. Suna mm-hmm. and I did an amazing military tour. We were just talking about this the other day. It was so much fun. Uh, we went to Honduras, Guantanamo Bay. Bermuda and Greenland. Greenland. Remember Greenland? Jesus, there's nothing in Greenland, people, except the military base and a whole lot of fucking snow and ice and, and people ice. that just drink. That's We were there less than 12 hours. We did the show, which was great. And then they have this one little cantina bar. And the general was like the biggest instigator of like, you need to be drinking more. And oh, we were yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, they only have one flight in in and one flight out a week. So if you miss that next flight, you would have to be in Greenland for a week. Like, you're fucked. So we had a flight very early the next day, and we were drinking, 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 and I remember the general was like, take this. It helps with the hangover. And it tasted like Jägermeister. And guess what, guys? It was Jägermeister. So it didn't... It was like, no, drink oh, more. Right. Do you remember that? And then guess who threw up right before we got on that cargo plane uh, out of there? This girl. Anyway, we get to I was Guantan- like, you, not me. No, no, definitely me. We I'll get just to suck it in and just let it. You did. Into you my just body, were like you know? kicking it the next morning. You were like, let's keep it going. It's giving up. It's giving up all that <laughs> gloriousness that you ingested. It's really not. You know, you got to hold on. The older though, it doesn't want to stay with you. Like now, like I've never. I should never throw up in my twenties. I I don't think I ever really threw up in my thirties either. And yeah, then it was like the moment I turned. Proud of. Yeah, I know. It, I was fucking proud of it. I was like, oh, you guys fucking throw up. I got this shit. And then in my 40s, my body was like, this is poison. You're killing oh, yourself. It is poison. I know, but I fight the poison. Yeah. Um, so we, you barf. We yeah. get to Guantanamo Bay. We do a show. That was one of my favorites. Remember, Cuba, was, it was beautiful. Yeah. We went, like, snorkeling. It was great. I met a 25-year-old Marine, nurse, no less. Yep. No, Navy nurse, not Marine. Navy nurse. And... We each everybody had their own like condos, like full. Like honestly, weren't we like this could be Van Nuys or Cuba? Like it, it was yeah. set up. The whole base was like thirty eight miles long, and it was set up like Van Nuys. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. You. I was didn't, like, where are we? Yeah. Except large lizards everywhere. There was some lizards. So we, I bring this guy back to my house because that's what I do. And but we, this is a shared situation. A I mean, shared situation. A large, there was an upstairs downstairs. There was an upstairs downstairs, fully two bedroom. I mean, it was beautiful, brand new like condominium. Yeah. As soon as in the other room, this guy comes over. I haven't had sex for a year, which we're going to talk about because my mom had passed. So this was the year after my mom passed. Mm-hmm. And this was sort of like my like, oh, I'm awake again. So we're having sex. And then he gets up and goes to the bathroom and then soon finishes the story. Um, so uh, was it? Well, was did you hear I us having period sex? Period or did I have? 
you, a yeast infection. Oh, was you had a yeast on. infection. Okay. So this there that matters. I wouldn't normally talk about deep. Oh, you know, since I just found out I had a vagina, now I know what was going yes. on. Yes. Oh, by the way, people get yeast infections <laughs> a lot of military tours because we were snorkeling. You're traveling a lot. You're sweating. It was very hot, except yeah. for Greenland. Like we went from Greenland to like Bahamas. It was very so. There was so, a lot going on. Anyway, so I was. Um, in the bathroom. So we basically had like a shared... Shared bathroom. Shared bathroom. It wasn't like quite like a Jack and Jill where there was doors, but you know. So it was in the middle of the night. I had heard them doing the things and it was fun for me to hear and enjoy. I knew that she was having fun and I snuck. I knew it was late. Yeah. I was in the bathroom pantless. <laughs> I maybe had a bra on. I think I had like a tank. Pantless, literally with my head as far close to my bush as possible, shoving in an insert yeast infection thing. Like, literally, like, like standing. It wasn't even, like, on the toilet, so he would have thought... You have to stand, actually. Uh, you have better, to stand, yeah. and I was, like, leaning hunched over like a fucking yeast troll, <laughs> shoving this thing in, and this hot, hot. naked, hot 25-year-old Navy nurse <laughs> opens the door, and we are just standing there... And the eye contact that occurred is like something I will never, I can't, we literally, it was like his face was in front of my face all of a sudden. You know, like the eye contact that's like, nothing is happening. It's just our eyes staring at each other one inch away. And I'm like, I think it lasted you, a long time you, too. But Did you, I scream? You both screamed. <laughs> Which is what which is what I heard on the other side in the bed. I hear he's like, I'm just gonna go take a piss, which sounds normal. Kids like five, four, three, two, ah! both of them, and he had definitely more of a girlier scream than you did. You were like, ah! it was. I don't even remember seeing his penis. I wish I had looked down. I was too consumed about the fact that I was pantless with my face and hands in my. He had no shit. idea what you were doing, but he came right back in. He was like, I'm going to... <laughs> what, what did he think I was doing? He didn't know. He goes, he, just, he thought you were going to the bathroom. Because he, he just like literally got the glimpse. And he's like, I just walked in uh, on the other comic. I just She was just like, <laughs> she had no pants on. He's just going to the bathroom. I feel so bad. And I don't... I just... I think I was just laughing so hard. And that would have been an opportunity for a threesome, you know? It would have been. That would have been... It would have just been a whole awakening. <laughs> I was already pantless. You were. Except you had a yeast infection, so probably Fair. Not. That was a fair. But we were talking about this specifically the other day because at that time, my mom had been dead a year and um, like about a, maybe 13 months. And I remember right after she died, uh, I went out and fucked some very hot guy as well in L.A. And I think just to be like that, I wanted to feel something it was a month after and then nothing for a year. Mm. And we were yeah. talking about it because Suna, unfortunately, just lost her father. Yep. And... You were talking about like when you start feeling normal again. And that was honestly, you have moments of it. For me, I had moments of it throughout the first year. But it really was that trip in general for a lot of reasons. I want to talk about a couple of things. One, we were disconnected from all of social media and the Internet because oh, there was no really Internet. So, so nice. It was so nice to be so present with everyone and enjoying yourself, not looking at your phone, not doing any of that. And we, I felt like... Except when we got to do plays. Our oh, first second, yeah, the be second. Like, Where's the Wi-Fi? You guys have yeah, Wi-Fi? Exactly. Where's the Wi-Fi? Yeah. We all had to be like, but they just didn't have Wi-Fi, so it was yeah. great. And also, I met this guy. You know, we actually talked that whole night. It was a lovely night. We actually spent two nights together. We were mm -hmm. there two days. And it was... I remember us in the middle of the act. This is probably what, 
something I probably shouldn't have been thinking about, should have just been thinking about how fucking hot it was, but <laughs> I had a, a one moment of waking up, waking up from a year-long mm. dead mom coma. That's what it felt like. Like, yeah. oh, I feel sort of normal again. And I think anyone who's ever lost a parent or a loved one knows that feeling of numbness. So, yeah, I mean, your experience so far, it has been like... How it's, it- it's interesting... I always find it interesting that sex and sexuality can be such a it's such a force for individuals to, to claim their autonomy. Right. I sometimes it's other things too, but like I think it's like just so interesting that like some like that it's intimacy. It's not just like I know obviously yes. from a funny standpoint it's like okay. Right. You know, you, you needed a dick to fail, right. you know, but but from like deeper standpoint it's also like it's just literally being touched and having intimacy that's that's not controllable yes. with your mind. And that's sort of what sex and, and connecting is. And sometimes we need it and sometimes we don't, but whatever. It's just, yeah. So for me, um, yeah, so my dad died in the end of October. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what, almost eight months. October right. 26, a little over eight months. And no, I don't feel like uh, myself at all. Right. It's, but I have had plenty of sex. Yes, you have. So what I did instead of what Joni did was I just started having sex with my uh, my ex-boyfriend. That's really bad for my soul. Um, good person, bad for me. Um, so that was the way I handled it. But that's know. also, here's the thing. And there's a lot of reasons that, because I remember actually that year talking to people that I hadn't talked to in a while, people that I'd known my mom and talking to exes. It's not only that you guys definitely have a, a very strong connection, toxic or not, good oh, yeah. or bad. You have a yeah, very yeah. strong connection, but also he knew your father. I mean, that's a big part. It was a huge, a huge part, part that he knew your yeah. father. And it is familiar. You, When yeah. you're with someone that you've been with before your father died, it's like you can sort of be like, no, 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 this is a familiar feeling. This seems familiar. It's almost like my dad's not dead. I can think this is yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like when you, with somebody yeah, new. It represents a time before yes, you before lost your father. before you father. lost your father. Because before you, lo- you lose someone you love and then after. You know what I mean? So that yeah. definitely, I'm sure, was tapping into that. That's and true. again, he also, you know, your father and him got along very, very well. Yeah. And... Yes, of course you want to keep holding on to that. He reminds me of my father too. Well, there you go. You know, and that's a whole Freudian episode that's coming up next. (laughs) I Um, think. um, uh, What was I going to say when you were saying something about the connection between? Oh, yeah. There's something really, and I know that you probably feel this too because we have yet to meet our whatever. (laughs) Our person. I don't. Our person right now. Our person right. I don't know. Whatever. It's very for me. I had a hard time um, accepting the fact that like. Whenever I do happen to hopefully meet a person that I feel actually long term connected with, that they won't have known my dad. You, that's how you feel. You want them to. Yeah, that's Why? something that's really hard for me. I don't know because he's such a big part of me, and so like the idea of like falling in love. I feel like no one will ever really know me if they if they. I don't know. I, I think that's just part of the grief. Of course. And of I think course. that's part. I mean, I think that's what everybody feels when they lose a parent at any age, whether they're young or old. It's like. It's a part of you. You don't walk around life being like, oh, my dad's a part. It just, or even if you're close or not close. I mean, the fact is there you wouldn't be here if it weren't for those two people. Yeah. Whether you hate them or love them. Of course. Or whether they gave you a secure attachment or anxious <laughs> or avoidant <laughs> attachment. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, I feel that's one thing that's really hard for me to wrap my mind around. And I think that was also a part of the... You know, retrieve and re- 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 retrieve and repeat. Yeah. Um, of the past loves because it's like, oh, you there's something that you there's something that you see in me. Yes. 
But, you know, whatever, man. I mean, it's okay, right? I'll meet someone else and they'll, like, you know, they don't need to also make them watch videos and shit. <laughs> I mean, it's so, like, when I was talking about this, I've, I'm not talking about this with other people, but I had the moment, and you and I are also in the same boat of, you know, wanting to have a family and not having a partner. I had that guilt that... um because I chose this career, my mom never saw me get married and never became a grandma. Mm-hmm. And she never put that on me at all. Yeah. Um, but I definitely had that. Do you Do you have that? I think my dad, I mean, I definitely do, yeah. But I actually, when my dad was sort of really dying last year, I was, I sort of did some very low-key yeah. fertility, put right. some, bought some sperms and put them up there. <laughs> What well, doctor did it? I didn't just personally. Oh, you didn't just do it at like CVS, <laughs> I like really, in aisle fourteen. Listen, you're just like, hold on, guys, I just gotta stick this sperm up here. You, sir, come up here. I would have. I would have too. Oh my it god, would have been cheaper. It's like, I know. It's like ready to fuck like, anything. God, you're like that sperm is a thousand dollars, motherfucker. Did you know that? Yeah, I do. That's why I went to Oregon to get sperm. Oregon sperm's cheaper, people. If you're looking for sperm, the Oregon yeah, sperm's I gotta, cheaper. I gotta get it's that more info. natural too. You feel like it's just like more natural, like they they're have, out the woods. Apparently, they have good boyfriends in Oregon too. I've heard. We should just move to Oregon. <laughs> like, why are we right, guys, here later? So that's a hit. <laughs> um, yeah. So he, you know, it's funny. And I told him I was doing it. And it's this is a funny thing about my dad. He literally uh, did not ask one single question about it. <laughs> and we didn't talk about it at oh all. God. No questions. Wow. So he didn't really I don't think he felt. Yeah. My dad was I don't really know how he felt about it. Right. I think he was bummed that I wasn't in a relationship. I think he was. But I will say my dad. I remember when I was in my 20s, we had a, we went out for like a, a beer, you know, at the local bar. <laughs> Which we didn't do very much. And he said, you know, Suna. I should do his voice a little better. Yeah, <clears throat> Suna. <laughs> Listen. That was good. I know it sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but really he was just a Danish Viking guy. And he's like, Suna, you know, not everybody is lucky enough to meet uh, the love of their life. <laughs> that does sound like You may though. not. And I was like, oh, wow. thanks, Dad. Uh, that's cool. And he's like, no, I'm just saying, you know, if you don't, it's okay. Not everyone's as lucky as you and your mother and I, basically. Right, like, but you're, you may not meet. And forever. I was already like, "Oh, oh that's, thanks for the positivity." Yeah, exactly. Especially but, in your twenties. I know. I like, mean, that's sort of like that's a little bit of the dark Danish comedy. To, right. I mean, my dad was like that, and that's a bit of part of me too. Like that, like I don't know, like Northern European humor is very like it's very cold and like what? Like they have like the worst. They have. My dad was telling this joke in the hospital when he was dying. It's not even a joke. It's like a weird <laughs> statement. And we're like, that's not fun. What are you saying? He's like, yeah. He's like, have you ever heard this joke? The doctor says, um, oh, the surgery was a success. The patient died. <laughs> what? That was his Danish, <laughs> was, right? That was, his, like, that was his mic drop moment before yeah, and the my mic whole, dropped. <laughs> yeah. He's like, the patient. I'm like, okay, dad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, though. Your dad said that, and I've said this before. I think it's right when I turned 40, I remember having this thought, which I'm really trying to not think it, but it, you you think it. He's right. Why do we, we are born to think that we're going to grow up, fall in love, and live happily ever after. Yeah. We think that every single person is going to find their better half, their second half, their yeah. soulmate. And you're not guaranteed that. You're no. just not. And it doesn't mean that you're going to live a horrible life. I had to make a decision 
right around that time, yep. like, if I meet that person or someone that I even spend 10 years with and it's wonderful, great. If not, though, I'm still going to live the best fucking life Absolutely. I can. I have great friends. Mm-hmm. I know how to have fun. I like to travel. I like to do things. I'm, I'm so tired of waiting because I have to meet that person when in reality, no one's guaranteed that. We're just conditioned as little kids that we have to grow up. We're going to meet that person. It's just going to happen. And everybody says shit like, yeah, it's it just, happens when you're, not, yeah. when you're not looking. It, you know what I mean? It's like, I know, so go fuck yourself. I've been and not book. looking my whole life. I know, yet. exactly. <laughs> it's all, like, seriously, it's like, come on, stop saying those things to us. Like, you're trying too hard. Let it happen. Or you're not trying hard enough. Make it your job yeah. to find oh, someone. Manifest it. It's like, yeah. what do we do? It's like up, down. Every self-help book is different. Do this. Don't do that. These are the rules. These yeah. are the new rules. These are the old rules. These are the rules that used to be the rules, but not the, the, <laughs> the other rules. Like, what fucking... Think like a man. Think like a woman. Think like a man who used to be a woman. Like, there's... Like, every fucking book out there is so confusing. And, and at the end of the day, it's really just being like, I think happy with yourself and that's just not an easy thing to do by the way I'm not saying like just be happy with yourself and be happy being alone with yourself it is a con- that's a constant job but well, that, yeah that but I that's hate, a more important job I, I know but I hate that one it's like oh no one can love you till you love yourself oh I'm no like, no I don't mean that here. no I know I'm like there's I know a lot of people that hate themselves and they have a husband and oh. a whatever yes but also just a side note like how many people do you know in these long-term relationships that we've been like desperately trying to find our whole lives that are happy in them I mean I'm not trying to like I just wanted to say, like, for myself, and of course, you should never put your worth into like the. It's it's hard. It's a complicated right. thing, it and is. I don't know the answers, but right. I do know that sometimes when I'm really hard on myself about it, like you must be something wrong with you. Like yes. you're not lovable. You're yes. I recently had someone tell me, um, without even bringing it up as a topic, um, I didn't bring it up that I they, that they didn't see themselves marrying me. Oh. Uh, even though I didn't ask. Um, <laughs> Somebody just walks up to you and they're yeah. like, I don't see us ever like, getting married. <laughs> You're like, well, do you see your penis like, oh, inside that's me? that's interesting because I did not ask you to marry me. <laughs> but I'm glad to know that you don't want to marry me. And when you tell someone that you don't want to marry them, you should also follow it up with, but you know what? You are marryable. Yeah. All right. There you and go. here's why. Um, so, yes, of course, you feel it's hard to feel like, you know, you start feeling like unlovable, unlikable, yes. unlike just it sucks, you know. It but does. what does make me feel better is when I look at most of the people I know in long term <laughs> relationships, there's really only a few couples that I actually would want to mimic. Right. Or, 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 or and it doesn't mean to say that, like, all long term relationships are bad, but like the kind of effort that's required and the kind of communication and the kind of like you kind of have to have the same verb for life. You have to have the same desire to right. have it be good and and that is hard to find with someone it so is hard to find you know it makes me feel better when i'm like wow you guys are all you're so miserable fucking miserable yes. i definitely have some couples and a lo- most of them are back east mm-hmm. me too me too and, yes and they've been together a long time and they grew to, they grew to they grew together which is great they did not grow apart and there's a couple of people that are divorced but yeah they, they mainly grew together and i i think they have great relationships having said that that's sort of to my point is I'm okay now meeting someone later in life mm-hmm. because we've gotten a lot of the bullshit in our own brains out. Yes. We've worked on ourselves. We sort of know the last couple of relationships I did have, while they weren't extremely long, they were very, very easy, especially in the beginning, until we were like, oh, it's just not a match. But it was very easy, and it sort of gave me hope that I will meet that—if uh, I meet that person— that it will be easy 
and it will probably be faster than if you're, you know, in your yeah. 20s and it's just like ups and downs and break up and take back and break up until you're finally like at the same place at the same Ugh. time. Like now at my age, I'm like able to be like, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. This is what I'm willing to compromise on. And it's OK because, you know, I've been alone for a very long period of time and I've now also had the intimacy because we mm. talked about that. I didn't have real intimacy until a couple of years ago. It was yeah. the first time I really had real intimacy where you're really just exposed and you're just like, this is fucking who I am. Because, And I don't know if you had this, but I, for a long time, sort of had, and it was an, a dialogue that I told myself, but it came from someone. It came from a guy in college and, you know, those things in your early 20s mm-hmm. and in your teens stick in your brain and they oh, like, yeah. form a groove and they never leave where he's like, oh, when anybody looks at you, all they do is think of sex. And it stuck with me where guys just want... And he was trying to be complimentary. That's the funny thing. He wasn't saying it to be mean, but what I took away from that is like, every guy wants to fuck me and nobody wants to date me. So I sort of became that. I sort of manifested that. And I remember it was at one of my birthdays with our friend Stacy, yep. and I was crying to her because she's very she's a serial monogamous, so she's always had relationships. That and bitch. I know, and she's married now to a I great guy. I couldn't I know. be a serial monogamous. I know, I, I, tried, tried. I tried. I know, seriously. But I remember crying to her and saying, "Guys don't want to date me; they just want to fuck me." And the reason that is so difficult is because. It says more about my person. It, to me, it said more about my personality mm-hmm. that I can't change people. Like I can change my looks. I can make you want to fuck right. me. I can make but you not want to fuck me. But this is when you get to know me after. So after like date one or two, you don't want to see me anymore. It's because of my personality. And they're not saying you know you don't have a good personality. We just don't gel. Like I know that logically. But in you know the little girl inside of me is like, they don't like me. They don't like me. So I just right. stopped letting people get to know me because I'm like, well, they're going to reject me anyway until a little bit later in life when you get broken down a little bit more and then you're like, this is fucking who I am. And then people do find you lovable and they like your personality. It's Right. And it's important to know, and you find this out later, that often when people just want to have sex with you and they don't want to and like have an emotional connection with you, it's largely because of them. Yes, of course. (laughs) Because And also us for sort of being attracted to and and inviting people in our lives that... That, that keep us safe, you know? I mean, it's, it's you know, if I'm attracted to, like, an endless array of emotionally, you know, people that aren't organically wanting to connect, that's, I mean, I can't, you know, like, it's it's my, that's on me, dude, you know? Um, I, I wrote this tweet months ago that none of my friends will let me actually post because it's the most depressing thing ever. I can't wait to hear and it. And it's exactly what you just said. So now everyone's going to hear it. <laughs> Get ready. Um... How now? I don't even remember exactly how it goes. It's something like, um, I'm like, I'm like a vacation spot. Everyone wants to visit, but no one wants to live here. I love it. <laughs> Isn't that so depressing? It's depressing, but I. But you do. Do you know how many women fucking feel that way? I mean, it's so, and I'm like, it's it, it hurts. Of I'm course. Like, I mean, it, and then it's like the idea, like when you're younger, it's like you want, you know, we're taught to be like sexual. You know, listen, the whole concept of like. The, the the world that we live in and the and the way that women are sort of it is it, it, we are objectified more than we are subjectified of in the sense that like I have a lot of experiences with men it's not always their fault it is the conditioning right where it's like you know it's compartmentalized I see right. you as a wife I see you as a girl I'm going to take home I see you as this I see you as that and I think a lot of times it's like you know we can't really change those roles and we're trying to instead of just accepting it like, right oh that person just it, it's instead of trying to like 
stick around and I can make them. Ch-. It's like, just get out of there. That's, yes. a, that's a room full of snakes. That room is not going to turn into fucking butterflies. Mm-hmm. Get out. But you and I, even though we had different upbringings, different fathers, there's a similarity there that I feel like you and I would probably repeat that pattern over and over again. My dad, you know, I was, you know, daddy's girl, you know, his everything, you know, on this pedestal. We had mm-hmm. such a great relationship. And then at age 13, which is the most devastating age for for parents to get divorced because it was like right when the women, you know, start dating, all like yeah. girls' brains, they separated. And then my dad did his own therapy and was working on himself, um, which is great. Definitely love that. But because of that, he sort of... We weren't as close. I was also, you know, in the height of puberty, the throes of it, like everything was changing and I was so upset and I wanted him back, not to be with my mom. I knew they were not supposed to be together, like they were living unhappily together. And they, you know, before my mom died, they were friends and that was all fine. Mm. It couldn't have been a nicer divorce for that matter. But (laughs) our relationship was like, I couldn't get him back. I couldn't get him back. So I repeated the pattern over and over again. A guy meets me, puts me on a pedestal, treats me like everything leaves me all I do is try to get him back try to get him back and you just said with your dad He's being sort of emotionally, you know. Yeah, he was just emotional. Like, yeah, no, yes. no, no. I mean, for me, it was a combination lock. I mean, I remember this right. even from even from my first boyfriends. I'm like 15, 16 years old. I'm like, wow. I took me years Francis- to figure that out. Francisco Soriano. I remember being like, oh man, I'm gonna figure him. out. I'm gonna like. I just knew. Like, I was like, there's something I can do to just uncover. And 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 then when I do, and when I get that final click in that safe the door is going to open, open and out is going to come this endless love and a nurturing and and, and 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 interest and oh my god like it's been you it's always been you he's 16 years old it's always been you <laughs> for 16 years since and birth. he's going to show up at the my third street stoop in the rain and oh. tell me that jenny schlafer is not the woman for him that Fuck it's me jenny and so I've yeah, that's what I've been repeating. And it was the same. So for me, as a kid, it's like my dad was like always there. It's like that weird thing of like there but not there. Not there. It's it's can, can that can be felt really hard because you're like he's yes. here but so far away. So far away. My God, you just brought up a good thing that you and I have talked about before. I've never had the come knocking on your door in the rain oh, moment. God. And so many of my friends have they're like, and then he just like showed up at my house and I was like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I love you. Do you know how many of my fucking friends have said that to me? I'm like, I, I've never even gotten a fucking postcard like thinking either. of you. Like nothing. I've never even received flowers from a guy. A guy friend. Yes. I've never, everyone's like, I just, and then I got a bouquet of roses and then, you know, now he's leaving notes on my car. I mean, some people would be like, oh, that's a stalker, but I would no, fucking take anyone. And, and we grew up with say anything. Anything, which is the ultimate Literally, thing that anything, anything. Like, say, I don't yeah. care what you we say. grew up with the movie say anything or I don't say care anything if you yes. say you don't want to marry me just say something say something <laughs> like just call me call me and hang up remember those days when you just call and just the second they'd answer you hang up I never like, even got those fucking hang up calls like nothing when they were like oh no we're done and that see yeah I, that's really painful I, I had a, someone I had a of what fight with this person uh, like a month ago and I came home a couple days later we hadn't talked in a couple days and I came home to a card on my door oh you got a card yeah it was from my neighbor oh who left me a gift certificate to salt and straw for being loud on Friday night a night I wasn't even home and I'm like I literally my heart started beating and I'm like oh my god he finally I finally got my like and it was like sorry this is 613 I'm like sorry about the noise sorry about the noise I'm like Well, you got a card. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, I can pinpoint it to, I mean, a lot of it, by the way, 
I take responsibility for all of that. The older you get, you definitely think about all the shit you've done in the past. You connect the dots. I've done a lot of drugs to connect the dots, too, by the way. But like, <laughs> yeah. but then you have those moments where you're like, oh, that's where it was. But I always knew this. My boyfriend in high school, my first boyfriend that was, I mean, barely a boyfriend because it was only like a couple months. And, it, and also high school. Yeah, high school. <laughs> but I mean, like I have friends in high school that like dated for years, like the whole sophomore yeah, year. Yeah, this yeah. is my sophomore year boyfriend. This is my junior year boyfriend. I'm like, oh, fuck yourself. This is my two-week this boyfriend. <laughs> two-week boyfriend. So I was so into him. And I'm so into him. And we hadn't had sex, but I was like, oh, we're going to have sex. And was this your virginity? No, this is not virginity. Do you need the. I don't know. It's like not working. Maybe I'll try the other hole. Oh, no. There we go. That's fine. Can you hear it now? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear yourself? Okay. Um, It's always the other hole, by the way. (laughs) Uh, uh, So he. um, I was so into him. We were so like. It was great. It was my first, like, we were making out. I had already lost my virginity. Maybe a year. I lost my virginity at 16, and then I didn't do anything until 17 because I was like, well, I did it, and that's it. Check check box. So, but I was like, oh, I'm going to have sex with him. Like, I was really into him. I was really into him, and he slowly pulled away because... Because you were really into him? Because I was really into (laughs) him. And he said to me when it was ending, which is like... Again, I do not blame this human being at all because he was also like 16, 17. Like, it's not, he just said, he goes, You're too much. Oof. You're too much. Those two words or three words, you're too much. Too much well, stuck with me. It's one. You are. Yeah. Yes. You're, I'm sorry. You're. Yes. Or you no, are. It depends. I don't remember how he said it. Depends on how bad like, of a grammar. Or if he said, Jody Miller is too, too much. much. No. <laughs> so he said, You're too much. And you're coming on too strong, it's too much. And you know what I did? I fucking internalized that. And guess mm. who never did that again for like 15 years? Yeah. Guess who never called a guy? Guess who acted like she didn't give a shit? We can totally fuck. And I don't need to be your girlfriend. Guess who did Cause that because she forbid. didn't want to be yeah. too much? And that's how every relationship afterwards yeah. fucking played out. And it was devastating. Looking back, like, why couldn't I it's have? So why? Traumatic. Why could it? Like, I don't understand why... I mean, I, I don't even But do think... you ever think that, why did you react? I mean, this is where I get shit, like, I get hard on myself sometimes, because I definitely, like, getting dumped by Francisco Soriano at 16 years old in Central Park for, right. you know, no, no, no. that really, like, I was devastated, like, it, it traumatized me for life, right. and I was like, I'm never getting dumped again. Like, I'm not right. going to let this happen again. Like, I, this, that hurt so fucking much, so I'm not bad. doing it again. Right. But there's plenty of other people that got dumped at 16 years old that didn't. That didn't internalize it so much. That didn't have like so. It's like why? Because what, what do you we, think you is and going, I did something. Like we're just too goddamn sensitive. We're too much, Joe. We're just too much. Both <laughs> of us are too much. We also have big boobs, so that's a oh, lot too. Too no. much <laughs> fat in the boob area. <laughs> no, we. Uh, what we did, unfortunately, is we didn't immediately fill the void. And sometimes I look and yeah. think I should have, especially when I was younger. Yeah. Because I was <laughs> like, so you didn't want to. It's yeah. so unhealthy. <laughs> but but you know what? And yeah. and this is why. On, in, in comedy, when you're super vulnerable, when you have a breakup, a loss of a parent, a divorce, mm-hmm. something bad is going on in your day, you're like, you know, down in the dumps, you've lost your job, you're penniless, whatever, your comedy tends to be amazing. Look at the majority of comics that are super successful. Yeah. Their their personal lives are fucked up because yeah. they're incredibly vulnerable on stage and it translates with the, with the audience and the audience can sense the vulnerability and, and latches on and loves it. Yeah. So when we're in the middle of a breakup and we're so, I can tell you from my experience, when I am so sad, either from a breakup or just being sad, yeah. men are more attracted to me because I'm emitting more vulnerability. So it's allowing them in. But instead of, I, instead yeah. of just moving forward and learning how to be more vulnerable... 
I continually shut it down. And in doing that, I ended up building walls that took years of therapy to really, really break down. You know what I mean? Look, I can't help when I hear us saying these things. I also can't help feeling like frustrated that we're out here, women are out here trying to do all this work. And honestly, I don't see the men doing it. I mean, I'm, we're talking about strictly, you know, hetero relationships and this these, these very right. gender normative kind of like this is how dudes are. But I feel it's a little bit frustrating to me because yeah. I feel like we're out here being like, well, we're not vulnerable enough and we, mean, we, we need to do this and we need to do that. And like men aren't out there going, huh, I wonder why so many women that I've dated aren't being vulnerable with me. Maybe I'm not doing something to make them feel emotionally safe. Maybe I have a wall that I, I mean, I'm just like, you know, and I, I'm all for like self-reflection and getting, and I, but it does frustrate me sometimes. It does. There are times yes. where it's like, hold on, like maybe this is a collective, like, like, you know, men and women not having like emotional connections isn't just on us to no, solve. No, of course it's not. <laughs> it's no, not no, just no, no, because no. you weren't vulnerable. No, of course it's You're not. You're not too much, Joe. I'm not. I'm just it's enough. It's not your fault. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. It's I love you fine. too. It's Such great. A, and this, and hopefully, and this Brady Bunch moment was brought to you by. Um, but wait. The yeah. men that do work on themselves, and I do know a lot of them, they are back in, in relationships, so they are off the market. And or <laughs> I feel like a lot, because I do know a lot of men that work on themselves, mm. and I also do, I know them, and they work on themselves a little bit later in life for whatever reason, but my dad happened to be one of them, which mm. is also yeah. interesting because my parents were complete opposite, and I unfortunately went my mom's route. When they got separated, my mom showed me, you know, and it makes me happy what it what it was like to be, you know, an independent woman raising two kids, you know, being a single mom and holding it down and not showing me. I wish she'd shown me a little bit more of how depressed she was. My dad, on the other hand, cried all the time, which was weird to see your dad cry because he's never cried before, was in therapy, talked about his therapy. Huh. And and he also, as I found out later in life, really only dated two women seriously and married both of them. So he, my dad's a serial monogamist, and my mom stayed single for the rest of her life. She never had huh. one other person. And I went in that direction. And it's, you know, it's my dad and I have had lots of talks about this, and I felt mm. really bad because he came out here to California one night, and he came to see me. Just at for one store. night. Just one night. Just one night. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to fly out here, uh, three and a half hour flight, and then I'm going to fly right home. Uh, he was out here, and we were at the comedy store, and I had a show, and then afterwards I was having a drink out front because that's where you can always find me after my set. And my dad came out, and he had a drink, and he was a little bit buzzed, so he said, he goes, it sometimes makes me really sad. God, I can't remember. I don't know if my mom had already passed or not. And he said, and I look at you and your brother, neither one of you are married. And I I feel like the divorce, I feel like it's my fault. And he was crying and he was upset. And I said, oh, my God, Dad, knock it off. I go, you and I have talked about this in length. I go, let's, let's, let's look at the other side of the coin. Both your children, you know, this time my brother, you know, because he's got some health problems now. But both your children are thriving in their careers. We're both doing what we love. We're both in the entertainment industry. You didn't force us to do a, take a different route. Where we're, we're not, we don't have a substance abuse problem. Mm-hmm. We are. We have good friends. We're loyal friends. We're yeah. loving people. We're empathetic people. We're good human beings. The fact that we don't, we're not married or in relationships, that to me is like you know, that means nothing in in the scheme of things. You raised yeah. two wonderful humans, so please don't you know take that yeah. on. And he was, and we had this really beautiful moment. That's nice. And then he ordered Bailey's on the rocks, and I was like, "You're dead to me." Uh, like a <laughs> man, I mean, that, but, a man that orders a Bailey's to, on the rocks is like, "All right, I did not get that." From to, I mean, I mean, also like what you know had you know I think that a lot of de- 
people that get divorced, like they like, oh, they, they fucked up my kids or whatever. It's like, you know how much more you guys would have been probably way fucked way, up if, if you stayed, stayed together, together in a miserable. And I tell that, you know, I don't know if you have friends that you know? do that. I have I have a friend in particular who yeah, stayed with his wife Ugh. for years and he kept saying it's for his kids. They finally just got, just oh, got divorced and now they're like early teenagers. But when they wanted to get divorced, they were much younger. And I said, trust me from a child yeah. of divorce, knowing how much my parents did not want to be married living in that house was far worse than when they when they got separated. Well, because I mean, you're trying to model you're trying yes. to model behavior and you're trying to you have to you should be modeling like communicative yes. behavior and like self-care and self-love yeah. and not yes. like forcing yourself to yes. be connected in a situation that's not serving anybody. You're also that's showing not teaching your children. a good that's not, yes, not modeling good, good behavior. You're showing your children yeah. like just because you're in a shitty situation that you hate, you gotta fucking stay in it and be miserable, which makes you <laughs> Uh, like a, yeah. not a great parent, no, not a great human. I, no one wants I mean, to it's see. Complicated. It's, yes, it comes it is from complicated. Society. I mean, that's what everyone says. My parents were married for fifty years, right? And I remember many years ago, I asked my mom, sort of like, "Wait, give me some like advice for, you know, whatever right. long term relationships." And she, I, and I always remember this. And she, she said this: "What are you saying?" She said, "You know, we're still getting to know each other. Wow. We he still surprises me, and we're constantly." We're still getting to know each other because and I think and I think what she meant is like the the thing that happens in a lot of long term relationships is like there's like this rush to like like the newlywed game. It's like there's this rush to be like, I know what he orders at every restaurant. <laughs> I know. And you're like, gross. I don't like I don't want to know what you I, gr- disgusting. Like, I don't want to know you that well because then I'm bored and I'm moving on. Like, you know what I'm saying? I want I want. So I think that's a big thing to like continually to stay invested to continue because you're always changing. Always. Could you imagine being married to someone who didn't change? No. Or that you don't change, that you don't evolve, that you don't grow? I have friends that haven't grown and they're no longer in my life in that way. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean that to be like mean, but you do. Those friendships sort of fall by the way. calamari one more fucking time, yeah, I'm never it, talking to you again. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, and I used to talk about this on stage, but it is it was so much easier making friends in your 20s. Because in your 20s, yeah. you're basically like, oh, you like blue? I like blue. Let's get wasted. Like, yeah. that's literally yeah. all it took. And then you yeah. were like best fucking friends for like five years. And then in your 30s, you definitely... Definitely are like, let's do vision boards together and let's have spiritual conversations because we just discovered spirituality. Yeah, yeah. And then in your 40s, you're like, I don't want to be friends with this person anymore. We have nothing in common. Yeah. You are boring. Yeah. You did order calamari for the, <laughs> for the last, last time. goddamn time. I don't want I want crab legs. It's a waste of whore. space in my stomach, okay? <laughs> so funny. Let's talk about the C word for a second. Oh, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, we do... Uh, it is the longest female-produced show in Los Angeles at the Comedy Store. Yeah. And I brought Zuna in early on. I started it with Eliza Slessinger, who's on yes. the show. And right before she won Last Coming Standing, and then she still stayed on. And then we what had another— like 11 years ago? Yeah. 10, 11 years ago? Yeah. 11, it was before I got passed, and yeah. I've been passed now for almost 11 years. So it, must have been, wow. it might be 12 years. Good Lord. And it was every week, and it was great because we wanted a safe place. In the Belly Room, if you don't know anything about the Comedy Store, the Belly Room was you know created by Mitzi Shore, who was definitely a pioneer. And mm-hmm. she created that room specifically for women to feel safe, to go up there and to work on material and not, you know, for whatever reason, not be around, you know, all the— testosterone downstairs it just was a great ghost and ghosts a lot of ghosts down there but the belly room still to this to this day in my opinion is one of the best showrooms it has the best energy up there and you can Mm -hmm. see people that are like doing comedy one month you can see people doing comedy three years you can see people that are like you know bill burt sarah silverman yep and you know they've all been on our show 
It's a and our show is the C word is a great combination of people that have been doing it, you know, yep. for a very little amount of time, and then people that are straight up professionals that want to try out new stuff in a very welcoming. Yep. The shows are just always super great. So when I brought you on, I remember because we weren't great friends at the time, but we were friends through mutual friends, and you had been doing comedy how long at the time? Like what, three, four years? Uh, I guess we've been watching. Yeah, I don't even know. Probably around there. Yeah, maybe like yeah. Yeah. About three three years, three and four years. I think it was. I mean, it was it was a great combination. We had a different. We had a third co-host at the time, uh, who's now in New York. Valerie yeah, married. Valerie married. Married child. Married child. Bitch. Uh, <laughs> um, fucking married. Happy real estate agent in New York. Bitch. Ex model. Gross. Um, yeah, really gross. Gross. Um, <laughs> no, she's lovely. Uh, We're no, happy she, for you, Valerie. We love hey. you. Um, but now we have another, a Crystal, who's lovely, also married. Gross. I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding. But God, it, yeah, we got to like, switch it up. Sorry, Crystal. It's Anyone like, any married, gets married, get, we get rid of. We're like looking for a new, you know, co-producer. <laughs> but I mean. Must ha- be single and apt to use infections. Sorry, that was a callback. That is a good thing. What we did there. Everybody <laughs> knows what a callback is now. But I mean, what have you taken away? I mean, we've now run it together for a long period of time. And, and the reason I know this is because Facebook and other apps love to remind us how young and spry we were with their goddamn, remember this six years ago and you looked way better? Mm-hmm. And it's always a C word picture of us like sitting there, you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Looking God. just full of hope just and optimism. Full of collagen that is no longer no, in my face. face. Oh, no. I inject. In my face continually. I mean, I just did my eyes I'm yesterday. Start a go bit. fund me just for my. You face. should fuck that. I'm registering for my house, <laughs> I don't by the way. Have money for fillers, but boy, do I want it. God, my whole face is filled with fillers. <laughs> uh, it's just like thousands of dollars in my face. Well, I put thousands of dollars on my vagina to try to yeah, get pregnant. Exactly. That didn't work, so now yeah. I'll just stick it in my face. Dude, what I mean for you being a part of the show. How do you? I mean, you know, just us, like you know. Getting older and still running the show and seeing like the new crop of comics coming in mm-hmm. and all of that, like what does that what does that bring up for you, or how have you seen that change? Um, well, I guess I mean it's it's interesting. I mean, I really miss having having it weekly because then we were much more yeah. engaged. Yeah. So once a month, it's a little bit easier to just kind of be like, okay, so we show. You know, right. it's like I'm not as engaged, but I do. What's been so great about it is that to be able to develop. It's the only place that I've really, really grown as a comic. Do you know what I'm right. saying? And in the comedy store, different people have different feelings about it in terms of like their ability to right. perform there or to feel good there. It's right. a, it's a tough it's a tough place. Having said that, it you is know the most recognizable club. Yeah, in the world. and it's the best, and it's such a good place to get through all of those. Yes, every comic has various like conflicted emotions about themselves and their brand and who are they and what is this and blah, 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 blah. and am I a club comic? Am I an alt comic? Am I a blah? It's like exhausting. And yeah. then all of that stuff, you're not actually developing any, you're not developing who you are as a comic because no. you're so consumed with whatever you think your brand is or isn't supposed to be. Right. And I think I spent a lot of years doing that, more so than I want, care to admit. But what was so great about having that show and having it still is that We've been able to d- develop and, and really explore and, and have it do be it safe, man. And yes. it's your show. There's something so great about that. I wish if I could perform as comfortably and casually as I do at our show on I every know. show I was on, I would be in a better place the- in my career as a comic because I because I, I don't I, I you know, I'm still working on it. I mean, I've also been taking some time off since I blame my dead dad for that. I blame him, too. You yeah. can use the dead parent card, though, for a long for a long time, for a lot of things. Every time somebody asks me to do something, I'm like, my mom died. Yeah. Now, they don't know when she died, but she's dead. And that's true. You know what's <laughs> interesting about it is like, and you and I have talked about it from the beginning, and I always knew, this is something too, I mean, 
we take comics take you know our tragedies because it's you know tragedy plus time equals comedy i think my one of my all-time favorite sayings and i believe this to be true because not only you know teaching comedy but i've also used it you know uh for veterans i've or you know i've taught classes i've helped you know people with ptsd yeah my favorite saying is you can spend 10 years on the couch or 10 minutes on stage so mm. and it is so true. I if I if I didn't have comedy, I, I really like the couch. I, but I suppose uh, I love the stage both. is better. <laughs> but the stage. But you know when you're on stage and you're and you've had a horrible day, like I said before, and you are vulnerable, yeah. you feel better on stage talking about it, ha- seeing other people relate to you. We are the voice of them. The majority of people have gone through what we've gone yeah. through: the loss of a parent, sickness, yeah. a breakup, anything that we talk about that is personal to us. There's somebody that can relate in a, in a way that makes us feel like we're not alone. And for me, yeah. like I was performing while my mom was dying because it was the only time on stage that I did not think about her. But I always knew that I would talk about her on stage and I and I have a couple jokes about it. And I remember you saying I pretty immediately after your dad's death that you wanted to have dead dad jokes, which yeah. I thought was, you know, amazing because I didn't I wasn't ready to talk about my mom's death. I don't it was, was I mean, months. I just started kind of doing them now. I mean, maybe I'll try some this Sunday at the Seward yeah, show. I got to just try. It's really hard. The audience always has a weird reaction to it. Yeah. And I was talking about it because Jamie Kennedy and I did the Virgil um, on. Oh, yeah. Friday, yeah I saw that. And not the show. I saw it on. Instagram right. Or and, whatever, yeah. and, you know, the Virgil is tends to have a reputation of being kind of an alti room. But this was definitely not an alti show. But it's also the way the room is set up. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's not conducive for like that loud, loud laughter, but everybody was having, you know, a great time. Yeah. But I remember I had that joke where I say, um, my mom recently moved in with me. It's not that bad. You know, she doesn't even take up a lot of room because she's on the mantle. Yeah. And then people usually laugh. Some, A lot of people groan and then half the people laugh. And I go, you hear those people laughing. They've also lost a loved one or they have a mantle. And that, I love that joke. Yeah, I, I love really love that joke. Sometimes I shy away from it and I don't do it as much because it sometimes promotes a weird reaction. And I remember specifically doing a show at a place right next to Birds, which is very alty part of town and this room was a super alt show and if you guys don't know what alt comedy is google it i don't have enough time to explain that to you (laughs) and uh i remember i did that joke and this is the first time ever but i remember talking to jamie about this because you know his so now he's lost both his parents but his mom died so i did that joke silence except for one girl in the back that laughed silence and it definitely prompted me to say a uh, spoiler alert, guys. People die. Yeah. It's not like this is like a tragic thing. Like she had like, cancer and she died and that like happens. And then I go, oh, also, not laughing is not going to bring her back. <laughs> and and then a little bit. Did more that bit, loosen their little uh, A little, little bit, bodies, no. Little they bit. were so in that all same. Like we don't laugh about that because it's too real. It feels too much like that. But this one girl in the back was howling. And I, of course, like referred uh. to her. And it just was like one of those things like loosen up. If I'm okay to talk about it, I'm not crying on stage, then you should be okay to laugh about it because uh, 100%. every part of life, including death, there is humor in it. And there is humor in the fact that, you know what I mean, that I know my mom is definitely looking down judging me. Like, I feel it like every day. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. something will happen, a song will come on, and she's probably like, don't wear that shirt. You look like a yeah. whore. And I'm like, thanks, mom. Or like, you know, I feel guilty about something. Like, that's my mom. Yeah. But it's 
it's also, you know, and it's also at some point I'm like, fuck the audience. It makes me feel good well, 100%, to talk and, about and, her. But that's what the audience ultimately wants you to feel yes. comfortable with what you're talking about. Yes. And they may not always express it with, like, right. sounds out loud. Right. But also, I think so, I think it holds comedy back to have so many labels. I think sometimes you're right. people are like, oh, oh, you're a dark comic. Yeah. Oh, you talk about your depression. Oh, oh, Which you're not like a peppy. Jokes, you know, and, and, you know, and so I have a lot of depression material and stuff like that. I and, love it. And mostly it works and sometimes it totally doesn't because it depends. And then, you know, remember that when I used to say when the audience wouldn't laugh and I'd be like, what did you guys? Oh, I'm sorry. You wake yeah. up in the morning and shit skittles. I love it. Oh, I got a red you're, one today. You're, that is some of to me, is some of your best material still to this day. I mean, you have so much great material. Anybody oh, that you. doesn't, you know, is not familiar with Suna's comedy, please Google her and watch her because she's hilarious. But your your plant dying. I mean, <laughs> go ahead, say it to everybody, just so everybody knows. Have you ever been so depressed that you purposely don't water a plant just to watch it die? It's amazing. It's people fucking... are laughing. All the people yeah. here in the studio. I mean, it's, <laughs> but everybody here is laughing. You guys. But people sometimes, and usually that does. I mean, but there's definitely been. But again, I think it's really holds all of like just any art back to kind of label it. And you're it, right. It, visual you're funny, art, music, any any yes. kind of art because yes. it's like, well, this is this kind of yes. art, and this is that kind of right. art, and this is this kind of comedy, and that's that. And right. it's, there's really people don't actually want. Audiences don't want. Just let us decide. Let yes. us tell you what our comedy is. Absolutely. And let you decide what our comedy is. And if you're is. being authentically yourself for it, comics out there, it will. You, we, we, the audience will understand you. It's when comics aren't authentically themselves yes. that it gets blurred and it doesn't work as well. And when I would yeah. teach and someone would say, what's the difference? Now, I can tell you the difference between observational comedy, personal comedy, political comedy. Right. But when somebody's like, well, what's alt comedy? I'm like, you know what? I don't like to think about alt comic or comic if you're funny you're funny if you can entertain people if you can be relatable yeah then you're funny then you're a comic now you can define your comedy as a little bit more heady or i talk a little bit more about these things and that's fine but ultimately you want to be funny you want to entertain the audience and listen if you're the, you want to talk the about world wants you to label yes. yourself that's fine yeah. as long as it just has never held it's always held me back right and i'm never i'm not I'm, good I'm, right. I'm i've my parents raised me to sort of be like not labelable and which isn't really helpful for the entertainment industry because people want to be like, well, this is this kind of girl. And, that, you know, I can't tell you how many agents over the years I've sat across and they're like, we just don't know how to market you. We don't know. You're not you're not that. pretty enough to be like, oh. a you know, <gasps> sexy lady type. But you're not you know, you're not you're too pretty to be this person, but you're not. You're not but you're tough. Enough, right. You're, you're tough. not girl next door enough. Right. You know, all the, you and I yes. are very similar in that very way. Similar. And, and I'm always like, well, fuck you. But really, probably what I should have done has been like, OK, well, let me right. edge into one or, or two of those categories. What? But I don't want to. What do you go out now? Like, what do you get? I, you know, I, I don't I don't actually go out a lot right now. I sort right. of just started. I just was trying to focus on writing more. Right. I just I can't. I got to the point where I'm like, I don't want to. I just can't. I just can't deal. Right. But I mean, commercials, whatever. Like mom, young mom, boring mom. Boring yeah. mom. Boring mom. I'd love to see that on the yeah. thing. Just like, it's boring mom. <laughs> we need you to be boring, but you're also a mom. So it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, all right. I can't believe an hour flew by uh, this quickly. Um, so, Suna, like, tell everyone where they can find you, what's going on. Um, you can find me in Hancock Park. Uh, no, I'm not going to give you my actual address. <laughs> But you, I'm occasionally seen on Larchmont Boulevard, just you like know, walking you around. Find me there with my little dog named Betty White. Oh, Betty White. Um, yeah, no, you can find me on Twitter. 
I have to, I'm um, the Suna, which is annoying. I should probably change it because some lady in Berkeley has my Suna name. Oh, Who really? Suna? Yeah. She like never. What? I should probably change it to my Instagram, which is Suna B, S-U-N-A-H-B-E-E. Right. And make it more, you know yes. what I mean, whatever. Across and then, you know, whatever, websites and all the things, all the normal routines. Yes. If you're in L.A., come see the C word. And come see the C word. C word. Um, this is so much fun. Yay. This was I so much fun. I love you. you about, I love you, too. I can talk I to you about, like, everything. Thanks Anything. for having me. Oh my God. Thanks for being here. Yay. Um, thanks for letting me see your Navy, your Navy, your Navy nurse dick. Oh, he's getting married, by the way. I know. Really? To a girl that he apparently loves. Disgusting. <laughs> gross. He's also not 25 anymore, which is also gross. He's, like, pretty much almost 30 now. It's like, really? That's not going to work for me anyway, asshole. <laughs> If I can't drain your youth, I don't want any fucking part of that. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's my show. I am Jody Miller. This is Don't Call Me Ma'am. Hey, don't fucking call me ma'am. Bye, ma'am. This has been a Global Story Network production.